0: 16% of the creative industry are working class. With TikTok, it's really changed people's perception of me because I've told my story more because before that people would be like, "Oh, I just thought she was a rich bitch. 80% of media is owned by just five billionaires, like just straight white men. Welcome to
1: Stereotype where we crush stereotypes one episode at a time. I'm your host, DJ Crystal Lake, and if you have not done so already, please subscribe and leave a rating and review on Apple Music. Doing that tells the algorithm to boost this episode for the people to see. It's the best way to support this channel and it would mean so much to me. Today, we'll be talking about trying to make it to the top while being working class as well as the problems and good parts that can come along with it with my special guest, Tori West the creator of Bricks Magazine. We're going to share tips and stories on how we navigated this problem and the type of situations that we met that lifted us or brought us down. Let's get into it. Tori West has really provided a platform for underrepresented groups and the amazing creators who are powering our future. How are you, Tori?
0: I'm good. I'm so excited. So happy to be here. So I know you shine a light
1: for the working class, but have you ever been in the situation where you were broke and trying to make it? Oh, gosh.
0: Uh, Something I've had to like really unpack in therapy a lot this year when I finally managed to be able to afford to go to therapy was how much I've personally had to sacrifice like my own like living standards or any particular like safety net or, or anything like that just for the sake of trying to get by in my career. I had a really awful time when I worked in house at like a particular magazine, which came out all last year. After that, I was so traumatized from my experiences. I really struggled working in an office, just from like PTSD and like being really hypervigilant about like my safety and stuff that I really, really, really struggled working in an office So I'd do anything just to try and not do that. But, like, I think when you, like, grow up low income and then you don't have savings to fall back on Mm -hmm. and I literally was still in, like, my student overdraft and I literally had, like, not a penny to my name. And then I managed to get a job and, like, every single day, instead of getting the tube, I had to jump the bus. It was the first year and a half that I was living in London and I also was sleeping on like a blow up bed, like in in literally the middle of winter in January, and it was freezing with a broken window, no heating. Paying just like £200 a month in Brixton just to like stay. And I remember one morning, oh God, I came on my period. <laughs> Sorry, overshare. Oh, I came on my period and I was in so much pain on the fucking blow up bed, like popped and I was sat there just like in so much pain like on this blow-up bed that was just flat on the floor and I was like why is this my life and it was just awful and then there was an so I finally got out of that once I got into a pattern of like working full-time a little bit again just on like not a it was a salary but like not huge was like 18k year sort of Mm. thing you know I sat up the publication and I had, I've always had this theory. I think, especially when you grow up with nothing, you always want to provide for other people because you've never had money. So, if you do get a little bit of money, you're like, oh, have this, or you know, you want to share it. Um, and, and I did that for so long instead of looking after myself. So, I accidentally made myself, I don't like using the word homeless. I feel like that's, not probably the correct term, but I literally didn't have a home. Like, I had to sofa surf for three months and, like, sublet my that flat out homeless. to pay. That is homeless. I know, but you know, it's, it doesn't... Yeah. I it really hard saying that. and Because um, I don't have, like, a bedroom at home or anything at my parents' house and things like that. So I was literally, like, sofa surfing for, like, three months to sublet my house just to pay people's invoices. Oh, my For goodness. the print. Because I didn't want to not pay other people for stuff. So, like, I would pay, like, their film costs instead of me having a house.
1: Tori.
0: How awful is that?
1: That is so wild. But also... It's really hard to unlearn that, though. You biggest film. heart. I rate you and your magazine, like... <laughs> oh, so much. Like, and I already rate it so much. But yeah. just hearing that story, it, what?
0: It makes me sad because I think... I've only started coming to realise these things since, like, um, I was really lucky I got to go to therapy because I got publicly fundraised after what happened to me last year went public, and other victims of what happened at this company about sexual harassment. The public funded us to go to therapy and have emergency therapy, so I got to go to therapy because of that. And that's when I really started unpacking, like, how much growing up low-income actually can affect your mental health. Yeah. Because I feel like everyone's always, like, mental health in the workplace, but then also it's, like, Are you considering how, you know, the salary that potentially you're paying your workers is so low that they don't have any healthy living standards to be to feel happy? That's how I felt my entire life. Right.
1: Especially (laughs) the jobs that you go on and it's like 18K and it's and you're working your ass off. And it's like, how does anyone expect someone to live on that in London. My first jobs were like around that yeah. that price as well and I was just like, "Nah, like how am I doing this? Me and my 10 other roommates in this little tiny flat in Walthamstow." You're working your ass off so much at work that it just feels like all you do is work for this little tiny amount of money. And then you just become depressed as hell, yeah, especially yeah. because the people on top usually treat the people making 18K like
0: complete shit. Yeah, if I can go to like a workplace and be low pay because it's a startup, for instance, or, you know, they don't have much money and but their hearts are in the right place and I enjoy getting going in every day, no one speaks to me like crap. And I do really feel part of the company and like mm-hmm. that. that's great. But if you're also like, on low income, and then you're also not respected in any shape or form for your yeah. work, or even you as a person in the workplace. I don't know how people are expected to feel safe working. I've been fired for every single job that I've done <laughs> because, apart from cleaning, because I was a cleaner for like two yeah. years, but like that was the only job where I was like not fired from. Every time I was in an in an office, and obviously because this hypervigilancy thing that I was like really feeling, and combined with that I'm neurodivergent. I just panic and then I underperform because I'm not being supported in a particular way. Mm, yeah. do, you, do you know what I mean? It's just, yeah. I don't know, I think it's just, I don't know.
1: And then especially working like customer service jobs and you just get oh. dragged. Cause
0: first of all, I'm at <laughs> Retail this job. is a particular like <laughs> form of hell. Some people, the way that customers speak to you is wild. wild. <laughs> It's a Like retail is a really dark place
1: Yeah Yeah And it's like You hate your job And you're You know that That's not gonna be the end goal for you Like at least Like how you were saying earlier Like at least if I'm gonna do 18k I wanna like the people around me I wanna like my job Or know that It's gonna bring me somewhere Yeah But At my past jobs When I was just like I don't know A student Or just being broke (laughs) I was just like I really hate this I really hate yeah, this yeah. I felt like there was nothing I could do to get out because like you were saying I had no safety net either and I was just like well I have to get this money some way so I'm yeah. just stuck it's in this so job hard.
0: and I think that's one of the things now with especially TikTok is really change people's perception of me because I've told my story more because before that people would be like oh I just thought she was a rich bitch because she's mm. got a magazine. And, like, don't get me wrong, I have a lot of privilege. I'm, yes, I'm queer, but it's, like, I'm also cis and I'm white. So I have a certain amount of privilege. But it's, like, also, I, I really hate it when people perceive <laughs> me as someone who's, like, oh, she must be minted. And people said it to my face. Oh, like, my god. Like, I was at Fashion Week once, and I didn't even want to be there. I just felt like I had to do the hustle and the grind. But it's not a neurodi like, virgin-friendly place. Fashion Week is so intense. And... Someone stopped me that I hadn't seen in a while. I was like, "You must be so minted now." And I literally felt like crying. So I was like, "I actually find that so offensive because I'm currently sleeping on a blow-up mattress that just
1: popped. That just <laughs> <fucking> popped.
0: <laughs> the lowest I've ever felt, I think, is all because of finances." Yeah. And
1: then even when you were just speaking about um You know, places not being that neurodivergent friendly. Have you ever seen or experienced injustice with neurodivergent people?
0: Yeah. (laughs) I think it was like two seasons ago at Fashion Week. And bear in mind, like, I felt so traumatized from like what happened to me in previous workplaces that I was very scared of like fashion people so I wouldn't go so I really tried to like get out the house and like go to just one show just because I liked the designer and I got one invite I couldn't transfer the ticket because it was like my name on it and they sat me front row and I was like that's really special actually I, sh- I should go I like the designer so I went and they just changed the COVID rules where you had like the COVID app and then you had like another COVID thing that was like a different app and it was a passport. Yeah. And a QR code. Uh-huh. But it just that week launched. So it said on my ticket, be like, make sure to show proof of negative test. So I took a lateral flow and I submitted it through the NHS app and like got all that through and as a test. So I got to the door and I was like, oh, here my here's my thing and they're like no 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 this is what you need and I was like no no okay that's fine but I just don't understand like where can I find that everyone seems to have QR codes and they just refuse to help me in front of everyone like I was like in front of like clients and like all around me like really like bougie like big fashion editors that I like know of and like all around me and I was like starting to panic and I because I have severe anxiety and obviously I've got undiagnosed autism which I found out recently from my therapy so it's like I've learned quite a lot about myself but I've realized that I do really struggle and like sometimes like I stop breathing like, and I, I always think it's like maybe because I'm having a panic attack and I, I literally have to remind myself to breathe so I started like freaking out and I was like oh I think maybe if I just ask for help I, at that point I start to feel really uncomfortable and I was like sorry I don't mean to be difficult but I actually just don't understand could you just give me the instruction so I can get the correct thing up for you. And then she literally said, if you don't have it, you're not coming in and just turned her back on me. Then I tried to ask someone else and she just stared at me and just turned their back on me again. And I just burst out crying. Oh and my I, goodness. I, honestly, now I had, I, I had all I can describe as I to describe my to therapist that I have fits. And I had a fiz, like an actual fit. I had to sit on the side of the show crying, couldn't calm myself down. I had to ring Uh, one of my like girls that runs the magazine with me because she was like around like at other shows and she had to come and pick me up and honestly I felt traumatized and we actually my um did those people even do anything no my managing editor actually just emailed them not even to be like horrid but just to be like hey, this happened, like, Tori's neurodivergent, like, she was sat front row, she doesn't really go to these things, she just burst out crying because you couldn't help her with instructions that you clearly understood. But to someone who's, like, neurodivergent, instructions are a massive limitation to me. Even, like, I do uni, and at I'm a, such a visual learner, like if you taught me something in voice format or chat, or whatever, I'd be fine. But if I've read an instruction, I can't process it mentally in my head. So I was just like, that was a real limitation to me with my neurodivergency. And like, no one helped me, but they just thought I was being troublesome.
1: Some people are just and I feel like this is something that should be taught. First of all, how to act in general. I feel like there should be training anywhere where you're acting as someone to help another person.
0: It's it's about the conversation about unseen disabilities and things like that, isn't it? Because it's like with events in particular, I feel that, especially fashion events, you'll get a ticket through, but you won't be told, obviously this doesn't affect me personally, but I can imagine it affects a lot of people who have disabilities um, who rely on seating or rely on a lift or rely and they just send you the invite with it's very obscure. It doesn't have access. It does it has no accessibility description. Right. Basically. If you're going to a show and you could be, for instance, have an unseen disability, that you need to sit down because you can only stand for a certain amount of time, but you put someone in standing in a show, but that you think then they're being difficult because they want to see it in front, but it's actually because of their disability. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like they don't think of things like that.
1: That is so horrible. And I'm so sorry yeah. you had to go through that. Were you ever scared of reaching out for collaborations and starting your own business?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I'm a massive believer in like, you can't be what you can't see. Mm. And I've never, I don't know, like, like when you open up a magazine, it's so inaccessible. Especially like probably the generation that we grew up in, where they were like circling women's bodies and like shaming oh them. Oh my and goodness. It's all these like crazy, like really f***ed up things. Yeah. And... We grew up in that generation and just like absolute elitist, hyper luxury like yeah. consumerism. They'll be like, guess who just got fat? And yeah, they always- <laughs> that, and also buy this eight grand bag. Yeah. And it's yeah. like, great, I can't <laughs> afford it. And I just feel like we just grew up in like a very sad media age. I'm obsessed with magazines. Like I used to like rip out like all of the bits that I liked and make scenes, but I didn't have the terminology Aww. to know what that was. So I've always <gasps> loved it. And like... When I went into the industry, I thought it was just something that I could never do because there's no publishing industry apart from like local press in Mm -hmm. Wales. And I was just like, what am I going to do? I can't afford to move to London, can't afford to intern, like all these things. And I just started seeing myself as like an us and them situation where it's like, well, this is kind of what I can do. But then that was the lens that I saw my whole career and like my whole life was like through the lens of like someone who wasn't good enough Mm. to be in that industry, which is really sad. So like I had such bad imposter syndrome But like why would i email these like fashion brands because they wouldn't work with me anyway because i can't even afford the stuff do you know what i mean i can't see any like other working class queer or female yeah. people who run media companies so why are they going to take me seriously i think I really negatively impacted my career for so long, very early on, because I was too scared to approach people because I'd instantly be like, they don't want to work with me because I'm bottom of the barrel.
1: I completely feel that. But when I first saw Bricks, I was like, this is so different from anything else I've seen. And the community behind that, that like pushes that whole magazine and just the stories in it and I feel like it's just it's so much more than just the art and the fashion it's really community and I and I never really saw that on such a level before yeah
0: it's definitely what I was trying I just wanted to make like a space for instance when we go back to like opening up a magazine and me saying I couldn't see myself in it or be it ever be a part of it I would just only ever consume it and feel bad about myself (laughs) I was like but what if you bought something that was like affordable and you opened it and there was no ads and Mm. you could also buy it but also see yourself in it 25 percent of our print is actually of our audience to say like for instance it's the body issue we just do an open call being like anyone wants to talk about their body and be photographed and then we bring them in and we take photos and then they have their say about that issue thing. I wanted just to build a space where you could just see yourself in any room or any print and you would be welcome. Because it's so hard to find that now. Like that just doesn't really exist. I don't see it as like my business. It's like our project Yeah, i know that's really oh, weird but that's like it's see it like that and it is hard like i'm not gonna lie like we're still not on salary like i'm not currently being paid the girls that are in the office with me they're on retainer not much but they get paid and we pay people in all honesty like for production and for their ideas more than we actually pay ourselves or even mm. myself but i think that's like almost at like the stigma of do i support an independent press or does it mean anything when I could go and work a bigger kilometre that has like the stats and the KPIs? So that's been really hard. But I've, I've seen a shift massively in the last like year.
1: Right. Because I feel like we've people want to put their hearts into something that is meaningful for them. Because I'm even thinking about one of my most favorite jobs ever. I wasn't even getting paid. I was just an intern at this place called the Madberry Club, but it was like such a family and I was learning so much. I kind of got paid in food and <laughs> and like um or, or or parties but, and stuff like that. But I learned I've, I I learned so much and I fell in love with video production because of them and, and they were all obviously
0: changed your life. Yeah, completely. completely. These skills has changed I your would life. not be
1: here right now if it wasn't yeah. for them. And it was just like I knew they weren't getting loads of money either, so it was just all of us. And then eventually they started paying and stuff. But it was amazing. And I feel like when you work for a company where you put your heart into it, it's gonna feel so much better than working in ASDA. Yeah. yeah,
0: I actually did my work experience in ASDA. That's Damn. another thing that I did it, when I was like in GCSE.
1: If you want to show the world that you're sick of labels, then head to the stereotype shop at cutbycrystal.com slash shop. Or head to my Instagram at DJ Crystal Lake. I actually loved creating these and I think they look pretty cool. So let me know if you like how they turned out as well. We're about to play a game of Would You Rather, are you ready?
0: Yeah, I know how to play that one. Let's
1: go! (laughs) Would you rather have been born rich and never worked, or keep life the way it is?
0: Definitely keep life the way it is, absolutely. I think that I wouldn't be the same person if I hadn't gone through particular hardships. And I think that also I wouldn't be as proud of myself Mm. for making it work through those hardships. The traumas helped still shape like who I am as a person today. You know.
1: Yeah, one hundred percent. Deep question. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not even gonna lie. I would choose the same thing. I would definitely not give up those days in the ghetto. I do like that. I helped a lot of people along the way. Learned a lot about myself, and I feel like I can navigate life better. Because it But I think also people
0: that grow up with low income and then come into money afterwards are less likely to be dickheads. In all honesty, I like to think because they actually know what it's like to be on the other side of that instead of just like growing up rich and just never ever having any form of like empathy or understanding of what it is actually like. To be low income, yeah, and then the people that then go off fetishizing working class class culture. Yes, oh my it's goodness, so uh, Yeah, don't even
1: get me started. That's a whole episode. I, that is a whole episode. <laughs> but our even our content can relate to more people because we lived that life. Yeah, and kind of still are living it. Yeah, <laughs> I am low salary. I'm. Still, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm oh. Would you rather live life with no music or no fashion? No fashion. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah? I swear I thought you were gonna say no music.
0: No way. Music's the only thing that can actually pull me through my anxiety. This is gonna sound like I'm rich now but it's not because my dad went bust a couple of times and we... <laughs> but my dad like is a record producer. So I've always grown up with, like, just loads of music. And we were just, like, just really broke that, like, we wouldn't have, like, there'd be times we didn't have a TV, but he had records. Do you know Mm. what I mean? And we could play music. I've always said that if I didn't do what I was doing now, I'd do music. One of the only things that can pull me out of really bad trauma. Yo, trust me.
1: Music is, like, my ghetto therapy Like, I I remember I would listen to, you know, that Kendrick Lamar album with the Van Good Kid, Mad City. I would just really listen to that. Like, I was really about that life and I wasn't. But (laughs) I was like, this connects. I would choose music, too. But also, I'm a DJ. So, of course, I'm choosing music. Would you rather be roommates with Mark Zuckerberg when he was in uni (laughs) (laughs) or be roommates with Kim Kardashian when she was in her 20s?
0: Oh my god, that's so easy, Kim Kardashian, and it's oh, absolutely okay. Okay, no, no, damn, I should have made this Mark really simply.
1: harder. I would be roommates with Mark.
0: Why? Do you not think that I'll would be like, be, like absolute hat, hyper mask energy? No, I feel like maybe
1: he was nice when he was in a think? student and because creating. He, was, he
0: made Facebook at uni to find out if women were single or not. Like, there's oh. some level of like. Damn, that's why they love his ass in the Illuminati.
1: <laughs> I did not know that. Wait, he did it to find out who's single. I'm
0: pretty sure. Yeah, oh yeah, because that was an actual like, U.S.P. to like face it when it was like a uni thing. Do you know what I mean? It was like to find out if girls were single or not with the relationship status. Yeah. But also like I, I don't do know. That. I feel like me and Kim K. Not maybe not now, but back in twenties. I feel like you know she was a hustler. She wanted to get somewhere. She was cleaning closets of Paris Hilton. <laughs> I was a cleaner. I feel like I feel like we did, we're both Libras. Connection. I feel like maybe back in the maybe not so much now. I think she might have been fun in the twenty. In like I wonder in the what time Mark is. What's you wanna it? guess? I'm about um, to look it up right now.
1: I'm gonna guess like he's definitely not a Leo because that's like the best. He's not, sign there He's is. not a
0: Leo.
1: No. I don't think a Libra because no that you need to be something nice i feel like mark is a virgo i always throw shade in that for oh aquarius you know, i was
0: also raised by two virgos and i think that was also really horrible for me yeah like that, they gave I, me really horrible. i dated a lot
1: of virgos and they've been ruining my lives uh,
0: yeah virgo you know i'm gonna go, virgo. go virgo
1: and if it's not a virgo aquarius
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay
1: um
0: mark zuckerberg <laughs> <Astrology>. <laughs> i didn't think this is where this podcast was gonna go actually why did you think that i would have picked mark zuckerberg because he'd be like the biggest
1: app ever i want to know how to be- well i will be like how do i become rich but kim kardashian is also a billionaire
0: she yeah she knows what she's doing. also have you heard the rumor on TikTok, that the Kardashians are starting their own app to compete with Instagram, which I actually I would think actually would make love so that. much sense because it's like that would benefit. They only do brands that like would absolutely benefit them. Mark so is
1: a Taurus. I
0: thought you were going to say he's a Tory. No, <laughs> he is
1: I mean, I'm pretty sure he That's is. That surprises me actually. Wait, a
0: yeah, I, mean, I thought uh, Taurus is like really loyal and. Taurus, a
1: Scorpio moon. And um, I don't know how to find that rising. Do
0: you need their like actual minute of birth for that? Oh yeah, that's
1: probably why that's not there.
0: It's probably Virgo.
1: Yeah, like I (laughs) feel like it's some type of evil sign. So (laughs) Virgo, sorry Virgos, (laughs) (laughs) i so sorry. Sorry Virgos, I know y'all all all love me. (laughs) 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 But y'all be ruining my life. (laughs) So you would still pick Mark Zuckerberg? Yeah. (laughs) Interesting. I'm gonna go I home feel like and do Kim research. Kardashian would annoy the hell out of me. Yeah, yeah. I'll do mine because I can break. Not do. <laughs> <laughs> what made you start bricks?
0: I started at uni originally, and then I stopped, quit, and like diluted it because I was just like, I don't think I could cope with it. And then after leaving, working like in house at publishing, I then decided I wanted to start it back up again. So just kind of did it on the side of cleaning. Um, so that's kind of like the storyline of it. But very, very early on, it was because I lived in Bristol, and I was like, "Why does the creative industry have to be so London centric?" Like ironically, mm-hmm. I'm here now, but I think I like to think we do quite a lot of our content that isn't actually through a London centric lens. Like we do quite a lot of things like around the UK, and. In the EU as well. And, like, our second biggest audience is the US. So, it's, like, I don't feel like it's too London-centric. Yeah. Um, That was the first reason. You
1: international!
0: (laughs) That that was the first reason, is that I just didn't like that it was that. Then, as I started uh, working more in-house and, like, living in London and, like, navigating the creative industry, it was just how elitist it was for me Mm -hmm. and how, like... It's like, I think it's like statistically, so it's like 16% of the creative industry are working class, workers, that's it, 16%. Uh, oh across my the goodness, wait, industry. when
1: you said it the second time, that's what I really deeped it. You
0: said it. You are you are yeah, 16%. I think it, I think there was a statistic last year that it, it might now be 27%. Then I found out recently even, like the, or, I think it's, you have to find it, but it's something like 80% of Graduates who studied photography, like, as female. But they only make up of, like, 15% or, like, 20% of the professional workforce. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, so that really annoyed me. And then in journalism, it's 94% white. Yo! And 80% of media is owned by just, like, just straight white men. Of, like, the British press. And then also... Weirdly enough, 80% of editors were also privately educated. So it's like, how can I compete with that? How is anyone from any form of marginalized background ever going to see themselves? I'm not going to lie.
1: If I heard that statistic while I was a student, I don't know if I would have given up because I would have been pretty scared. Right? Because I definitely thought that. Working class was the majority.
0: It's disgusting. Those are like in like professional full-time roles. So there's probably like loads more like when you start opening up with like freelance and stuff. I was reading all these statistics and I was just like, no wonder I felt really out of place when I worked in-house. Because I like felt like sidelined. I didn't feel smart enough. I felt really insecure. There was people in the office who had aristocratic by blood.
1: I think they're Um, like, how are we going to F up society Yeah,
0: but also, everyone consumes media, and that's why I think it's really scary. Is that I actually think like media is a mad powerful, yeah, it's more power than the government because they they have the power to manipulate their audience as much as they want. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It is true, it is because a lot of people aren't really taught much about media bias and like things like that at school or how to spot like which publications suit more this side because they're funded by XYZ. And it's like oh my gosh like actually all these statistics are disgusting I'm never going to see myself in any of these spaces and neither any of my friends who are from marginalized backgrounds and I was just like we need an alternative we need press or fashion magazines that aren't run by millionaires and billionaires like we really need like honest media there are a few like gal dem are incredible oh yeah there are like some amazing ones that are like really like Lifting up the parts. eczema. Like, yeah, there's culted, look really cool. Um, eczema, yeah, I love them. Diet Pratha. Mm, yeah, like, yeah. Amazing, just like niche, but like really blowing up now. Yeah. Um, deservedly, because we need an alternative. I honestly believe you can't be what you can't see. How do you know you can be something if you can't see it? And when you look at all those statistics, how many people are going to get put off? Yeah. When you're like, you're, I guess, you're your own boss, and we're such a small team... We don't often, like, look back and reflect what we've actually done. But, like, in the last year and a half, we launched the studio. And we're the most affordable studio in London. We're, like, queer-led. It's cheap and it comes with lights. And it comes with a white colorama backdrop, yeah. That is beautiful. it comes with just... And it's £25 an hour it's like the cheapest you can get like usually studios in london are like 500 pounds yeah. dry hire which dry hire means like it doesn't come with equipment so you have to pay that on top how are you going to expect anyone ever from a low income working class background or marginalized background to ever afford that so you're just reserving the creative industry for the for the elite yeah to make content i've tried to apply for grants recently just to try and make it a bit more accessible financially like to just we'd love to like have a camera any sponsors yeah buy us a camera where do you <laughs> so find the studio someone uh, it's called the bricks photo studio it's in brixton those stats are never gonna get any better if we don't have spaces where low-income people can make that work sponsors and get listen
1: up send them cameras so if
0: you've got cameras send them away <laughs> we love a Polaroid. we love a digital one we'd like a few more lights so anything like that that would just we could put in that booking like 25 pound booking um, would be amazing. Are there any projects that you're working on now? I'm starting a new magazine. So it's a music publication, just only music. And it's going to talk a lot about like lifestyle, wellness, mental health. And it's because I've just worked with musicians for so long. I do really feel that like musicians have had enough. Yeah. They're sick of it. <laughs> they're actually sick of it. And they have picked up on that same... more than anything. Yeah. It's just like they're sick of doing press, they just want to make cool shit. It's every month, which sounds hectic. One cover story, but it's print only. So it's kind of taking it all offline. You want to read it, you just have to buy it. So it's quite different to bricks, where everything's accessible. I think this is more kind of tapping more into like fan culture, collectibles of like things that people want to like have physically. So it's a complete different audience. So it's like, for instance, like, I had a lot of conversations with Vogue, uh, not with Vogue, but about Vogue when they did the Beyonce cover. Mm. And it was like so amazing and so many people bought it and then it's only like 12, 10 pages of like a 100, 200 page magazine. And I just think that like, we sell magazines sometimes because they, like when we did Phoebe Bridges, I was having emails for weeks so just people who didn't understand how we work that we do pre-order whatever and they were like, Where's my Phoebe cover? Where have you, I don't want to see. And it's literally, it must be disheartening sometimes when you get it. It's exciting that they're on the cover, but then you open it and it's just like eight pages.
1: What advice would you give a working class listener who is trying to make it in the industry?
0: Oh, I love this question. Do you know what? It, for me, it would actually go back to money. I know that sounds like silly because I hate talking about money. I always feel like it's like a very capitalist thing. Because I think when you make art, sometimes you are very much just making it for yourself. Or mm-hmm. when you're in the creative industry, sometimes it's hard to put a price on it. When you're low income, I can't speak for everyone, but I've always seen it in a lens where like, well, I don't have money. Maybe I I don't have it anyway. It's not going to make a difference. So I'll work for free or I'll do this or, you know, I'll keep my rates low because maybe everything's too high. And I think actually it's like if you're low income, you should ask for more money. That's what I've learned. And it's don't be scared to like ask for money because you need it to get by because you don't have savings Mm -hmm. and you don't have you know rich parents to like fall back on so like if you want to set a fee to whatever you think do it add your 20 percent on tax on top of it like don't ever feel awkward to like ask for money one of the things that in perspective for the company is that like we do it all the time even now we're like oh this is too much money of course it's too much money for us. It's not for them. Yeah, Do you know I mean, not when you're emailing like big businesses asking for like sponsorship money, they have the world and everything in it. So like your budget is like a grain of salt to them. Yeah. So it's like, don't worry about like going in too much because no one loses projects for like asking too much. They'll just renegotiate with you being like, oh, can we have X, Y, Z, let's chop down these deliverables. Like they will just negotiate. They're not just going to flat out close the door on you and you'll lose it is just know that you should set your fees to your worth and more yeah
1: that I, I, believe. I remember going into it and even to this day there's times where i found out my rate was too low or just feeling super nervous to even ask for something higher than the bs rate that they already gave me and especially like just starting out or especially just going into work a nine-to-five job at like a and q or an Asda.
0: <laughs> yeah. And also like to think of people like, I still work for free as well. Like if it's something that I really believe in and it's a person that I love and they're like trying to do their own thing and like set up their own stuff or magazine and stuff. Like I like I will still work for free because I really believe in it. But if yeah. a brand comes to me and is like, hey, can we give you this stuff in return of social posts? No, because we don't call it that anymore, do we babe? Like we don't call <laughs> amplifying and pushing your product without us getting paid and you get money uh-huh. you don't call it that anymore. <laughs> uh-uh. you shouldn't feel bad asking for a fee yes yeah. you deserve to be paid fairly for your time
1: yeah and knowing your worth and as well I remember when that influencer pay gap thing came out on Instagram
0: oh yeah I and I was that. like oh
1: whoa like it it just opened your eyes it's such a wild
0: industry actually because there's no set script of what or rules or you know yeah uh, that you sell content for or sell deliverables for or it's just wild and it Mm -hmm. differs so much between client to client like it's actually a really tough one to navigate on like how to figure out your fees when it comes to brands that's why I got an agent I'm not good with things like that but I feel like when you've got someone who is that negotiator there's almost like the bad voice being like this isn't enough where the hell's my invoice you can always kind of have that professional face
1: yeah my influencer friends that are doing what I do that have an agent they're getting so much money and then like they all convinced me like crystal no you're what the hell get an agent <laughs> And now, like this month, I'm on Agent Hunt. But thank you so much for being thank on you. this podcast. You're so
0: amazing, Tori. Thank you so much for having me and my little tiny minuscule yes. dog, do you know I me. Mean?
1: In this episode, we talked about how being broke doesn't mean that you can't make it.
0: Your mindset
1: and your fight to make your dreams come true will be the biggest strength, even if that means it could be harder for you. We also learned the importance of knowing your worth. As for higher pay, rich people do it all the time, and you deserve it. If you're scared to do it, there are agents and friends who can jump in for you, but you have to take charge of how you value yourself and how companies value you as well. If you enjoyed this show, please give it a rating and review. It tells the algorithm to boost this podcast and trust me, there are so many people that need to hear these discussions. So it would mean a lot if you do this to support the community and this podcast. Don't miss out on the next episode where I'm breaking the stereotype of queer people or people of color live sad lives. My guest, Josh Rivers of the Busy Being Black podcast will talk with me about being black, queer, and proud. Until then, this was DJ Crystal Lake. And remember, you are a person, not a label. I'll see you in the next one.